0: If there's one thing I'm sure of this morning, it's the truth of that hymn that we just sang. It's in Christ that our our uh, It's in Christ where the solid rock is found. That's where our foundation is. It's in Christ Jesus. You know, and, and ultimately, it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with anything that I say in the next forty minutes or so. What we just sang about, that's truth. And that's what we put our trust in and our faith in completely, unapologetically. No matter what sort of experience you go through or I go through, as we heard lots of things that the Stogers have struggled with, and trust me, there's many more experiences that that he has had in life where his faith has been tested. Where Satan wants to to kill and destroy, and it's like, okay, am I going to hang on to this solid rock that I have or not? And there is no better anchor in anything in life than Jesus Christ. That I am sure of. That am, I am 100% sure of. Now, the question that we are answering today, I think it's on your worship folder, is, are we in the end times? Just an easy question to answer, you know, in 40 minutes or less, um, to prepare in, you know, two or three days uh, uh, in the office. Um, it, it's it's a, a question I think that's been asked for, well, for centuries, honestly, and and a, a, a question that, uh, that 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 kings of old have wanted to uh, have wanted to get the answers to. Now I read an article this week uh, by David Brickner. David Brickner is the the founder, I think founder. Uh, he is the president of Jews for Jesus, an organization that that has its main mission. As to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that are practicing Judaism. To to the Jews. To to those who deny that Jesus Christ has come yet. uh, So that they might also hear the hope that is in Christ. Now in ancient days kings had diviners. They had prophets prophets. They had soothsayers, and they asked them often, um, "Hey, what sort of predictions can you tell me for the upcoming year? Or, or you know, what does the Bible tell us? Or, or whatever." And 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 there were diviners and and uh, soothsayers. They would use they would use the entrails of animals. They would use bones. They would use cards to try and determine what's going to happen in the future, and oftentimes when. Uh, in fact, it was a pre- professional line of work for some, and it still is. There are people in our culture today. that's their job. Their job Their job is to tell you and or they think is to tell you and me what's going to happen in our life. What can we expect is coming down the road? Um, you know, and, and I think as humans. Uh, we, want, we long for a good and real look into the future. Part of that is because we don't like to not be in control. We like to know what's going to happen, and you know, we, we like to have it all organized and scheduled out. Some of you are that way with you know, your everyday life. You know exactly what you're going to be doing tomorrow at 1 o'clock, for instance. And, and we want to know that. Um, some today, uh, in search of knowing that, they dabble with Ouija boards, or they read their daily horoscope in the newspaper, or maybe you even have a horoscope app on your phone, and every morning you get up and you look at it and say, well, what, what does my life have in hold for it today? Now, I, that's ludicrous, honestly, uh, to think that a horoscope, as general as they are, somehow knew something special about your life and had some sort of special revelation about what was going to happen. Some people pay by the minute to talk on the phone with psychic readers. And you know, I've always wondered why when you call the psychic hotline, they ask your name. Shouldn't they know already? And have you ever seen a headline that says, local psychic wins lottery? No. Think if you were psychic, you could figure that out, right? And they could quit being a psychic. Um, Some people play with predictions for fun, but I think... but. But I think for most, the desire to know the future is, is a craving to control the future. Now, what are we to believe about the future? Because there are frightening predictions out there. There are frightening political predictions, economic, ecological calamities abound. I mean, some of them we've seen in the past. Maybe people point to them and say, look, this is unfolding right Unfolding right before our eyes, you know, when all the oil was spilling into the Gulf and we have earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and some react to those things by storing up food in their basement or finding a remote place and purchasing some land and building a really nice underground bunker um, that hopefully they didn't hire out contractors, you know, to build because it's not secret anymore. There's people that know where it is. Anyway, I, you know, there are people... Who are doomsdayers. It's all oh my gosh, I'm just so worried about this. What is gonna happen? And so they want to hear these predictions and they want to know are we in they wanna know if we're in the end times so so that they can prepare properly. Because, you know, they don't want to get caught with their pants down. They they want to know when it's gonna happen so that they can allot enough time to get ready for it and to be prepared. Um, Others are skeptical of what they feel is is fear mongering. So what can we really know? You know, are we in the last days? Now somebody asked this question and I, I think it's a great question for us to to look at. And I don't this person I don't think was asking this question in order to, you know, know the day or that sort of thing. But but how many of you maybe have had a friend ask you, hey, do you think we're in the end times? You know, because there's lots of TV personalities out there who are telling us, yes, we are, and uh, you know, it's coming soon. It's going to come. I heard a speaker taking kids to a a youth conference in Denver who said, it's going to happen in our generation. Well, how can he know that? And can we know that? That's a couple of the things that I'm going to be talking about this morning. Now, there's lots of theories and and when you think of end times there's also a whole gamut of things that may be coming to your mind you you may think well you know when I think of end times I think pre-trib mid-trib post-trib amillennial etc 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 okay you and you may hold to one of those views and, and you may have scripture to back it up and and that's okay I think that's perfectly fine but there are also people out there who have made that their entire life And that's the number one thing to them is is that they have this figured out and that they're right and everyone else is wrong and they need to convince everybody that they're right and everybody else is wrong. And I think we're going to see that that's not the attitude that Jesus wants us to have when it comes to are we in the end times. Uh, Other questions you might ask are is it going to happen in my lifetime and my kids' lifetime? How is it going to happen? Are we going to be here? Can we, and, and can we really know who is right? Is there a balance between overreacting to and underestimating the, open, the potential problems ahead? And I, I think there probably is. Um, and, and maybe that's why some are asking, are we in the end times? Now time and again, the Bible has given accurate uh, record and prediction of future events over the course of the history of time um we see we we see old testament prophets who who are speaking and breathing the very word of god into the lives of people around them and and oftentimes they didn't want to hear what the i mean being a prophet in the old testament was not a fun job because in the old testament most of the messages that the prophets had were for people were messages of destruction and pain and slavery and and as we look through the history of, of the Jewish people, we see that that those prophets were right and that God was speaking truth and that their predictions were correct. But what does that mean for us today? I mean, doesn't it seem kind of ironic in light of the fact that the Bible expressly prohibits soothsaying and fortune-telling and witchcraft that there would be predictions about the future in The Bible and it may seem to some that God Instead wants us to stumble around blindfolded with no idea of what's in front of us But I can tell you that that's not correct God does give us information about what's going to happen in our future in your future and in mine And we need to heed those things But here's the thing he doesn't Get as specific as a lot of people who promote themselves as prophets in today's culture are trying to get. God tells us what he wants us to know. He has revealed that to us. We have it right here. We have it right here in our hands. What he doesn't want us doing is throwing ourselves at the mercy of those who would profit from the desperation to know what's going to happen in the future. I mean, God knows that the dark powers people use to divine the future are deceptive and that they are real. That they are real. But these dark forces are our intent on killing and destroying your life and mine, not helping us along by giving us pertinent information for our future. He does want us to know certain things about tomorrow. But he wants us to know them accurately. Look up here on the screen at Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things those of long ago. This is God speaking. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. I love that passage. You see, God is God, and you and I are not. He knows what's coming, and it's interesting that only the Father among the Trinity knows when the end is going to come, and we're going to see that here in a bit. So how does God's way of telling the future differ from that of a psychic or a fortune teller then? Well, God first of all, doesn't charge anything for the information that he gives us. He reveals it openly to us. Uh, Nor does he offer prophecy as a way to change what is to come simply by knowing it. Because, you see, there's people that think that that if I know how it's going to happen, and I can do things in my life or the people around me to either bring it faster or to stop it from coming, then I won't have to live my life through all the pain and the suffering that that I have uh, come to understand is going to happen in the end of my days. That's not why God gives us that information. And it's impossible for us to do that as well. But God has provided uh, us with information about what to expect and, and we can prepare for what lies ahead. So the question we're asking today is, are we in the last days? And my answer to that is an unequivocal yes, we are. We are in the last days. Now, we are not told how long the last days are going to last. And that's sort of one of the, one of the, one of the catches in, in that answer. Um, how long are the last days going to last. Now, the Bible outlines three areas that indicate that we're in the last days. And, and this information I'm getting from David Brickner. So it's it's from a very Jewish understanding of Scripture, and, and I think it's a great, I think it's a great perspective. So so Brickner says that the Bible outlines three areas that indicate that we are in fact in, in the last days. The first area are called birth pains. And that's a group of events. The second involves the state of Israel. And the third has to do with Jews who believe in Jesus as Messiah. And each of these categories points to a period of time, again, a period of time that the Bible terms the last days. Now for some, the end of the world is a frightening thing and something that is to be feared. But we just sang several songs declared with our voices that there is no fear for those who are in Christ Jesus we have all of the hope we we have all what blessing what a blessing it is to know that when i take my last breath or that when jesus returns i will be with him forever forever there is no fear in that none so let's first take a look at the birth pains the birth pains. It's number one. I, I didn't get note sheets for you this week. I apologize for that. If you take notes, maybe there's room. Maybe there's a blank spot. And we're in a whole lot of events on in the worship folder in the middle there. Maybe you can find some blank spaces. It's the birth pains. Now, if you would open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24. The book of Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament. It's the first of the four Gospels. It's on page 982 in one of the uh, Bible's underneath the chairs, if you're not familiar with with a Bible. It's page 982, Matthew chapter 24, and I want to begin by reading verses 4 through 8. Matthew 24, 4 through 8. Jesus answered, "'Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming, "'I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. "'You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. "'Such things must happen.'" But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Now Jesus gave the above message. That passage comes after somebody asked him a question. They wanted to know about the end of the world. About the end of life. And and this graphic image that he gives them of birth pains. I mean, contractions that a woman experiences are those signals that 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 it's coming. You know, the birth is going to happen. And there is, as you think about this this illustration, there. Well, I've never experienced this before, um, so I'm not speaking from experience, obviously. But I have observed that 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 they grow more frequent and much stronger the closer the birth comes. And, and that's what I think Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, here's some things that are going to be happening and they're be- going to become more frequent and they're going to become more intense. False messiahs, wars and rumors of wars, nations rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes, all these contractions do for one is create a sense of anticipation for us see I think I think on the one hand we need to not worry about it and we need not be concerned that the end might be tomorrow that Jesus could return tomorrow but we also need to think about and and look forward to that day with anticipation could it be in my lifetime I don't know how awesome it would be if all of us in this room didn't have to experience the pain of death, but Jesus came, and it was over. And we were with him. I'd just be goosebumps thinking about it. But I don't know if that's the way it is going to happen. And, and, and I can't say, well, it's going to happen this week, so I'm just I'm going to quit my job, and, and, and you know I'm just going to hang back, or I'm going to sell all my pro- possessions and move to Missouri. or I mean, there are... There's been lots of times when this has happened in the course of history. Jesus says, look, these things are going to happen. I mean, even, even in our own time, most, most in, in the room here probably remember Jim Jones or, or David Koresh or, or Marshall Applewhite, who was, who was the Heaven's Gate guy, who, you know, I don't know what, where the Bible talks anything about aliens coming to pick us up, but, but you know, and, and it's amazing to me how people can be deceived into believing that someone who is proclaiming things that are completely contrary to what the Bible says is the Messiah, I just don't get it. If, if you hear of anybody that's claiming to be the Messiah and they are saying things that are completely wrong and contradictory to his word, run away. Run away. Because it's not him. Uh, nation will rise up against nation, Jesus says. I mean, look at the nations. Currently, uh, there are seven conflicts possibly more than I know of, causing at least a 1,000 violent deaths per year, and I would say that that's pretty low. Um, civil wars in Afghanistan and Somalia, decades-long uh, civil wars, have claimed hundreds of thousands of lives. There are, there are tragic stories on almost every continent the the, the the intensity of war I think is definitely increasing wouldn't you even say in the last month now also I want to recognize that that those who were Jews in the time of Hitler do you think they thought it was the end I think I think there was no doubt in their mind that that the Bible's description of of of, are we in the end times? They were like, yes, this has got to be it. How could it be any worse than this? Well, maybe it's going to be. We've had World War I and II, um, escalation of wars, rumors of wars. He said there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now, there's always been natural disasters such as earthquakes, but but, but I want to give you the record that, that David Brickner points out. He says that, that the number of earthquakes that have registered 7.0 or higher, now the one that was just in Montana was, was five something. I talked to a guy who, was, who lives in Helena, and, and he was like, I expected it more to be an up and down thing, but he said it was a, the earth was doing this. I've never, anybody ever experienced an earthquake in here? Yeah, it, it's kind of on my bucket list. Um but seriously I mean there are like I I don't know I just I just I just want to experience it for some reason I don't want to get hurt from it or anything like that But but here here's the Here's what the historical record says: between 1863 and 1900, there were 12 re- registered over seven. 1901 to 1938, there were 53. 1939 to 1976, there were 71. And 1977 to 2014, there was 164. Now, okay, greater increase, right? But but then but then I start thinking about that, and I wonder, and and I ask myself this question: um, is it if an earthquake happens and no one is there to see it, does it still make noise? Does it, does it still shake things off the shelves? Because I'm not sure what sort of instruments they had in 1863 to 1900 to actually register, to, to, to sense earthquakes. And my guess is that today, we have a way better accurate way to tell when an earthquake happens. So of course the numbers are going to rise. I didn't have time to look back at the last 50 years because I think maybe the last 50 years um, would would possibly be a, 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 good, a good judge of that. Well, it, so 39 to 76, there were 71, and then there was 164. I don't know. Well, let's talk in 25 years, and we'll see from today to then if there's been more earthquakes, right? Um, and finally... Despite all the miracles of modern technology, there are thousands and thousands of people still starving to death on this planet every day. Um, 17% of the world population is malnourished or starving. Some famines are due to crop failure. Others are the result of war and natural disasters. An estimated 11 million people in the Horn of Africa are on the brink of starvation due to war and extreme drought. So it would seem to me that what Jesus is saying here is has happened. It's happening. Okay? The, the, the pains of childbirth are, are happening. Now the Bible also speaks of a growing sense of lawlessness as another birth pain. Uh, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 up here, uh, Timothy says this, but but mark this. Paul says this, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of good. And some of you are thinking, well, that describes the millennial generation right there. But I would say to you that that describes every generation. Every generation. Because there isn't one of us in this room that hasn't struggled with those things in our life. Not one of them. But it certainly does seem, especially if you are aware of any of the political culture in our nation, that that these things are becoming more true. That there is more lawlessness. There is more disrespect or less respect for, for people. Or or offices. Even the most optimistic among us can't help but see that there is a sickness in our society and that the prognosis is not good unless something changes. Now, can that change? Absolutely. There can be a movement of the Holy Spirit and of God across this country that, that just absolutely sweeps everything and 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 in ten years we may be think we may not even be asking the question our you know, are we in the last days? Because it's so good. But I don't know what God has in mind. What I do know is that he is in control. Some people ask me, so what what is your end times theology, Pastor David? And I like to tell people that I'm a pan-end theist. Okay? I'm a pan-end theist. It's all going to pan out in the end, and God is going to do it. I have ideas, I've read theories, I've held to things before, but they're not hills that I'm willing to die on. Because I could be wrong. I could be interpreting a passage literally that that actually God meant to be metaphorical. Or or vice versa. Again, our solid rock is Jesus Christ, not how we think the end is going to happen. All right, so the second, the second point I have this morning is that, that a modern miracle is another sign that we're, in fact, in the end times. And, and this one, actually, as I read it, it, it fascinated me. I mean, I've known dates and stuff, but I've never really thought about it. Um, look at Luke chapter 21, verse 24. Jesus says, "...they will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations." Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Interesting. So, not so long ago, people tended to interpret the Bible's future predictions as simply symbolic. But I think as we look at the last hundred years, there's some serious historical events that have occurred that are likely fulfilling what Jesus is saying right here. Three modern day events. The Zionist movement in the, in the last 19th century, the founding of the modern state of Israel in 1948, and Israel's recapture of Jerusalem in 1967. These have cleared the way for the end times events of which the Bible speaks. In fact, Brickner says that it wasn't up until 1967 when it was even possible for Jesus to return. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that he couldn't have, but as we look at Scripture and as we look at history, it seems that these events have fulfilled what the prophets spoke of. Now, the the period of time that the Bible refers to as the times of the Gentiles began with the destruction of the temple and all of Jerusalem. In fact, Jesus predicted this ghastly event And Titus and the Roman soldiers brought it to its terrible and complete fulfillment in 70 A.D. And Jesus' words have echoed down through the centuries, and Jerusalem has been literally trampled on by the nations, by the Gentiles. Non-Jews have been in control of that city ever since until a while back. And with the rise of the Zionist movement, the distant hope of the Jewish people's return to the land of Israel became a matter of pressing concern. And then waves of immigrants began returning back to Jerusalem, back to Israel. And then finally, in 1948, Israel became a state. Land, property was really important to the nation of Israel. You see, God promised them that, and he delivered it to them. And then he let it be taken away from them. God said that this was going to happen. Jesus said that this was going to happen. And it did. But in 1948, Israel again became a state. The Jews were back in the land that God gave them. That had not been the case for over 2,000 years. And in 1948, it became the case again. But... But even in 1948, the, the, the ancient city of Jerusalem was still being trampled on by the Gentiles. It was under Jordanian rule, not Jewish sovereignty. And then in 1967, a great year. As a result of the Six-Day War, Israel recaptured the ancient city of King David. And for the first time in over 2,000 years, the holy city of Jerusalem was under Jewish sovereignty. So how did that happen? A lot of people look at that and say, wow, those Israelis, man, they are good at war, right? They're generals. They know exactly what they're doing. But when you look at the odds that Israel faced, get this, um, there's no possible way that it should have happened. It shouldn't have happened. At the beginning of the War of Independence in 1948, Israeli forces were outnumbered 20 to 1. 20 to 1 in a semi-modern military time of the world. And then, if you, if you think that's bad, in, in the days leading up to the Six-Day War, there were 250,000 Arab troops, more than 2,000 tanks, and 700 fighter and bomber aircraft surrounding Israel. Sort of takes you back to the Wall of Jericho, the time of Gideon, where God said, Now that's too many people. Now now we need to get we need to we need to get you down so you're really outnumbered, and then I will then I will defeat this army for you. That's where they were. That is a that is a modern day miracle right there. God delivered them from that. And, and Israel has survived, has continued to survive amidst enemies such as Hamas and Hezbollah and Ahmadinejad. I mean, seriously, why has not some sort of gas bomb or nuclear bomb been launched into the middle of that little itty-bitty piece of property called Israel? Those countries would have no trouble. It's been said and proclaimed out loud many times. I want to wipe them off the face of the earth. I want to wipe them off the face of the earth. Well, you know what? If you know anything about this book right here, it ain't going to happen. I don't care how big your army is. So that that modern-day miracle has happened. And then the final, the the final sign that that I want to mention this morning is, is, uh, is, is just the organization called Jews for Jesus. Seriously. Jews who are who believe in Jesus as the Messiah who are who have it their mission to preach the good news of the gospel to their to their fellow human beings to those who hold to the old testament in Matthew chapter 23 you should still be there unless you've closed your bible by now Matthew chapter 23 verse 39 Jesus says for I tell you you will not see me again until you say Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the Jews that he's surrounded by, right there in that moment. Now Jesus himself was Jewish. His disciples and all of his early followers were Jewish. And when the Romans destroyed the temple, even more Jews in that day became Christ followers. But since then, it's been tough to turn over very many rocks to even find them. But that's changing. That's changed in the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, Some scholars claim that by the end of the first century, thinking of some history here, uh, as many as one-third of all Jewish people still living in the land of Israel were believers in Jesus Christ as Messiah. One-third. And then what happened? They went all over the world. They were missionaries and didn't know it. They thought they were just fleeing for their lives, but maybe not just that. And if they knew Paul's writings, they knew that he wanted them to preach the gospel wherever they were, whether it was in chains or in freedom. And from the 4th century until the 19th century, while there were certainly probably a small remnant of Jewish believers in Jesus that were still in in Israel they were unnoticed they they were they were so small and then in the 19th century things began to change again and since the 1900s that pace has increased as never before since the first century particularly in the last 50 years and brickner says that this is ex- this is significant and this is what he says because of the importance of jesus statement in matthew 23 You will not see me again until you say, Barak haba b'shem Adonai, which means blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, those were the last public words that Jesus uttered in the temple of Jerusalem. Those, and and earlier in his message, Jesus had quoted from Psalm 118, which is a key psalm included in the Passover Haggadah, which predicts the coming of the Messiah and it says this verses 22 and 23 the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or cornerstone the Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes Jesus used that passage to identify himself as the Messiah who would be rejected and one day recognized by the Jewish people as the very cornerstone the foundation of all that the temple in Jerusalem represent and now 2,000 2000 years later, more and more and more Jewish people are proclaiming those words. So I got it figured out. All of us need to go to Jerusalem as missionaries. We need to get as many Jews saved as we can and then Jesus is going to return. There's actually people that think that. They're like, well, okay, that should be our mission. No, no, again, we can't, can't hurry on what God is doing. Now, I'm not saying that's not a bad idea. And, and, and that's where we come to here here at the end of this. So it's, it's like, okay, um, we're, we're in the last days. In fact, um, if you read some of Paul's writings, the disciples thought they were in the last days. And it was true. And it was true. And you're going to see why here in, here in just a second. Um, do you know how many people, People, there's been 166 predictions of when the world is going to end in the, since the first century. 166 specific ones. Now, this is according to Wikipedia, so there could be others, but, but according to their research and those that, that put that up there, okay, there's been 66 since I was born. People who said the world is going to end before 2017. Currently, right now, there are nine predictions of when the world is going to end in the future. Okay? Seriously, people, really? Do you not read your Bible? I mean, okay, let's look at Matthew. You're in Matthew. um, Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 32. Jesus' words... Jesus says this, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Why would we even believe somebody when they say, well, we think it's going to happen on January 21st or September 7th or whatever. And, oh, by the way, I, I was wrong last time because I did the math wrong. And, and so now I'm, you know, I'm changing that. Yes, we talked about this in September of, what was it, 2012 or 2013? I don't remember when camping had his thing out there. Um, he's got to be living in another country someplace, probably. Um, Jesus, when, when the disciples were asking Jesus this, Jesus is like, you know what, look, forget about all that. You, it's not there to know. <laughs> When the end is going to happen, it's not there to know. What you need to focus on is the mission I'm giving you today. And that's to make disciples, to preach the good news of the gospel, to go. That's the mission that Jesus had for, uh, for the disciples. It, it's like this. Pastor Michael told me a couple days ago, and I absolutely love this. I'm like, where did you get that? And he's like, At, you, it, me. It's like, I said that. Okay. So I'm quoting Pastor Michael. Pastor Michael. This is Pastor Michael's in-times theology right here. Uh, He said, I'm not on the planning committee. I am on the invitation committee. Right? We don't know. We don't know. But we need to be about the mission. And and within that mission, Jesus doesn't want anyone to be left behind. Um, No one knows about the day or the hour. Verse 33 goes on. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. I don't know when I'm coming home, but be watching, be ready for when I do come home. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, watch. Jesus could return tomorrow, next week, next month, in a hundred years, in a thousand years. And he says that he doesn't even know when he's coming back Jesus is going to be doing his thing one day and the father's going to say it's time go and we may be here we may be not and now for illustration's sake and only illustration's sake I want uh, let's just say let's just say that that Jesus was able to give us a day And, and let's just say that that day turns out to be August 21st 2017 okay eclipse day the day that the sun is going to be dark. Is there a full moon that day? Hmm, maybe we should look at this closer. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, now, you might be sitting here this morning, and, and again, for illustration's sake, if, if you knew for sure that August 21st, 2017 was the day, and, and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ yet, you may be thinking to yourself, I got a little over a month. Right? I'm, I'm good, I'm safe, I don't have Jesus in my life, but you know, on the 20th, maybe in the evening, you know, maybe the morning, I don't know, then I will surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Okay, but here's the question that I have for you in, in regards to that. How do you know you are going to be alive on August 21st, 2017? You see, you don't know that. I don't know that. And that's why answering the question of are we in the end times? I, I think the answer, the the question we need to be asking is, or or what we need to be thinking is, I am in my end times. And that could be today. It could be in the next hour. Not one of us knows. And the, the question is, are you ready? Do you know Jesus Christ as Savior today, right now? in this moment because number one we can't know when Jesus makes that very clear we can't know when he's coming and we can't know when we're going and if we die without Christ the Bible says it's eternity in hell but in Christ Jesus we have hope and peace and, and a savior that walks every day of life with us through thick, through thin, through better, for worse. He's right there with us. And I want to end with these three verses this morning. Jot them down. Think through them. Pray through them this week. First John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, he makes us perfect in God's eyes. His blood covers us. He paid the penalty. The debt has been paid. The gift is there for the receiving. And in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, Paul says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, he doesn't he doesn't expect you to go clean your life up first and then come back to the throne and surrender your life to me. No, Jesus says, "Now is the day. Today is the day. Surrender your life to me today and just wait and see what I can do with it." I mean, we all we all sort of have attitudes that, "Well, I'll be nice to my neighbor when they're nice to me." Right? I mean, we think that way. That's not how Jesus thinks. No no, Jesus Jesus died even when he knew how we were going to continue to treat him. He died for you and for me. And then and then in in chapter ten, Paul says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Are we in the end times? Yes, we are. Jesus could return tomorrow. We could die tomorrow. We just don't know. So what I want you to be, the question I want you to be answering this week is, am I ready? Am I ready? And when you are, when you're ready, when you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then start asking the question, is my wife ready? Are my kids ready? Is my neighbor ready? Are those that I work with ready? And begin begin praying about how, um, and, and asking God to give you opportunities to share the amazing grace of our Savior and Lord with those that you love and, and that you care for, and even those that you don't. Let's all stand. And I'm simply going to close us in prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all of those who are gathered here today. And Father, if there is anyone in this room today who's still still thinking, oh, I just I'm just not sure. Father, I pray that your spirit would move in their life that you would that you would call them that they would seek out a friend, that they would maybe just send me a message. Just, if they have questions, Lord, I pray that, that they, would, they would get those questions answered. And Lord, I pray that, that, that if there are some here this morning who, who you, you, you have put it on their hearts and they have believed, they have put their faith and trust in you this morning. Oh, praise God. Thank you. And I pray, Father, that if, if that's the case and that they have that assurance of your spirit in their life and in their heart this morning, that they would, that they would tell somebody, that they would share the good news. Thank you. Oh, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for this, for this church. And I pray, I continue to pray that you would, you would keep us on mission, not worrying about things, asking questions, yes, Coming to conclusions, yes. But oh Lord, may we live. May we, may we live with our hope in you. On Christ the solid rock, may we stand. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.